Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost. This week's question is about medical astrology. And I just want to give this little little breakdown in advance of you getting to hear the reading that I gave to somebody about their medical concerns. Medical astrology is a field. Maybe you didn't know that. It's a thing. It's a thing. And medical astrology is not meant to replace medical care because it's coming from astrology and astrologers instead of, of course, medical practitioners who are trained. And training is really important. So yeah, I oddly was getting lots of questions about cysts. I ended up choosing to hop on a call with one listener to talk about her question with cysts, which you will hear in just a second. And I chose her question in part because she was really clear that she has a lot of medical care and that this was more a point of curiosity. And so, you know, I'm always exceptionally careful when it comes to medical astrology. Whenever I do talk about medical astrology in public and certainly on the podcast, people get really excited, but I worry that you will then run to your birth chart to uh, medically diagnose yourself or someone else. And it's not something I encourage. Uh, Whenever people have any medical issues, we tend to get scared. When we're scared, we're more permeable and we're more uh, open to suggestion. And when seeking medical advice, ideally, you should seek a medical practitioner and not a psychic or an astrologer. So anyways, that's my little preamble, my little reminder to use a grain of salt whenever consulting any woo practitioners like myself about medical issues. Please enjoy this reading. Zoe, welcome to Ghosts. Tell me what you would like me to give you a reading about. Thank you. Um... Okay, so I have a medical astrology question. I want to preface it by saying that my mom's a doctor. I have doctors. I've been to doctors, but I want to know an astrology perspective. Myself and my whole family is prone to cysts. Uh, I've gotten cysts my whole life. I've gotten cystic acne. I've had ovarian cysts. I've had weird cystic situations. My whole family does too. They're benign, but they're really uncomfortable. Um, So I wanted to know if there's anything in my chart or my you know, historical chart that indicates these, or if there's anything that can indicate prevention for these cysts? This is great. Such a good question. And uh, I want to acknowledge that we're keeping your birth information private uh, because we love privacy. That's what we do here. So as soon as I hear the question about cysts and in particular benign cysts, which can be quite common, Mm -hmm. um, I think Jupiter. And I always want to warn people who are studying astrology, fucking with astrology to not look at Jupiter in your chart and be like, Oh my God, I'll have cysts or whatever. (laughs) You don't want to do that. That said, of course I pull up your chart and I am greeted by this beautiful Jupiter moon conjunction intercepted in your seventh house. And so I use campanus houses and you have a bunch of interceptions with that house system. And that Jupiter moon conjunction can give you just a lot of benign cysts. The good news is Jupiter brings benign growth. So it can be problematic. All growth can be problematic when it's unchecked, but this is not uncommon. Now I'll say there's something else that stands out to me in your birth chart. You also have a Venus Saturn conjunction 
it's intercept in Aquarius in your 12th house. <laughs> okay. Yes. And the two conjunctions speak to each other. They're forming a really lovely trine. And so there's like a bunch of things that pop out at me about this, but I would ask you first mm-hmm. in regards to these cysts, you say you've had ovarian acne. Oh, no, not ovarian acne. You've had cystic <laughs> acne and ovarian cysts. Yes. And have you determined that there is a hormonal component to the presentation or the growth of these cysts? Um, the cystic acne, it appears usually during menstruation time for me. So now it does. When I was younger, it was kind of all the time as probably my hormones shifted. But yeah, now the cystic acne comes up mostly during menstruation time. Yeah. I, I do think looking back on moments where I have had with an ovarian cyst that's coming to mind of mine was around probably around the time when I first started menstruating. So yeah, it probably does have some hormonal shifting periods to do with it. And looking at my family's probably similar too. Yeah. And are there thyroid conditions in your family? Hmm, There are. Yes. Yeah. And it's on your mom's side. Yes. Yeah. It's Um, wild. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, So, so this is the thing about that Venus Saturn conjunction in Aquarius intercepted in the 12th is it can suggest, or it can point to thyroidism, Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Is that kind of like what's in your family? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I have a sibling and an aunt with hypothyroidism and we actually thought that I had it for a while. Um, and I was put on the medication and that actually led to mania. So I did nice. not have it. Um, congratulations <laughs> slash I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and let me tell you why, let me speak to that really quick. And we're going to come right on back to our central topic in your birth chart. You have your Neptune Uranus conjunction in Capricorn that your generation Mm -hmm. has, and it is square to your Jupiter moon conjunction. And so that inclines you towards misdiagnosis and being hyper fucking sensitive to everything, whether it's food or drugs or (laughs) energies or whatever, your body just picks up on everything. Does this make sense? Yes, very much. (laughs) Very much. Yes. It it makes you hypersensitive slash also resilient. And this is what throws doctors off because you have these really rough stuff happens, right? Like these difficult things happen, but then your body kind of bounces back. Yeah. Like multiple times in my life, I have had undiagnosable things that just disappeared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fucking Neptune man. Neptune. Yeah. It's Neptune. (laughs) It's also those 12th house planets, that Venus Saturn conjunction. Now I wouldn't be surprised if the thyroid came back up again, um, as time progresses. And again, you're more likely to have something in the Hashimoto's like difficult to diagnose, difficult to treat. What is it? Is it coming? Is it going kind of vibes? Um, because of again, the 12th house presentation and Neptune and Neptune is in your 11th house, but it's hugging that 12th house cusp. So you've got like a lot of smoke and mirrors stuff that can emerge. And, you know, when we talk about your predisposition towards being cysteine. We talk about your thyroid. Mm -hmm. Again, we're talking about your hormones. Yeah. And also I will say diet is like so key. 
And what's such a bummer about this for you is Jupiter moon conjunctions generally love to eat. You eat for happiness, you eat for frustration, you eat for anger, you eat for everything and you eat big. Yes. Yes. I actually, one of the, one of the other things with cysts was um, when I was 20, I found out I was allergic to wheat. And if I get any sort of wheat in my diet, I will get a cyst, like a cystic acne, whatever. Yeah. Some, some sort of cystic breakout. Yes. Not surprised. So I was, I was going to gently lead and I say gently, but if we're being honest, I might not have been gentle. I was going to lead up to like gluten-free, right? I mean, yeah. unfortunately for you, Saturn Venus conjunction generally has either an intense sweet tooth or a uh, craving for like deep fried <laughs> things, both of which are fucking terrible for you. So fine. I like to say that all my teeth are sweet teeth. So yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> On top of that, um, you can't drink alcohol. Like your system doesn't no. uh, handle it well at all or caffeine. True. I, I rarely drink caffeine. That's just a preference thing, but alcohol, I stopped drinking for the most part a few years ago because I tend to shake Mm -hmm. my whole body shakes when I drink. We can, we can think Uranus, (laughs) the Uranus square to your moon and Jupiter, your body doesn't metabolize alcohol. Well is really what is the most simple way of putting it. And Mm -hmm. if you were to persist in drinking, it would, from my perspective, astrologically, systemically weaken you to cysts. So it's not going to create cysts, but it creates a systemic weakness. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So not drinking, no gluten, uh, really intentional sugar intake. God, I sound like such a good time. Well, you know, you are a Sagittarius. Uh, you do have this Jupiter moon conjunction. So you are a good time, but here's the fucking thing that Saturn Venus conjunction that is related to the thyroid stuff um, and your hormones, what it does is it kind of, it demands a certain level of self-acceptance that is foundational to self-care. Yeah. Your face is squinched and I appreciate that. And this, (laughs) this is actually something that comes out of your natural lineage. So it's not just you, it's like a deep issue in your family and the ways in which it is appropriate and healthy for you to self-care romantically, personally, but certainly medically and physically is different than the people in your family. And that's, what's confusing. Cause it's not that the issues are different. It's your truth and what's healthiest and best for you and your system holistically. Mm-hmm. That's what's different. And so it kind of further creates this, like. Am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? Is this something that I should be seriously concerned about? Or is this actually just like my body and who knows? Whereas other people in your family might be less kind of, I don't know about it. Is that your experience? Yeah. Yeah. It, I tend to have the like the more confusing answers, mm-hmm. you know, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Let's throw into the mix. You do have both Mars and Chiron in the uh, sixth house and Chiron is intercept that sixth house, which means it's just floating around and sign of Leo, uh, not connected to either of those house cusps. And in your chart, you have a Chiron square to Pluto. Pluto is in your eighth house. This further reiterates the suggestion that this is hormonal for you. I, you know, am not giving you medical advice, but I am going to give you the advice of what to talk about with your healthcare providers really monitoring your hormones and relating it to your diet. Because for you, you've just got like such a sensitive system and you are somebody who like, I don't know if you should be eating soy. 
Like, I don't know if you should be eating. Do, do you eat soy? I do eat soy, but I'm constantly like doing small elimination diets. I'm constantly yeah. checking and testing things because yeah, there are a lot of things that I'm like, okay, here's another thing that I should probably end up taking out of my diet. It will probably make me feel better, but then like, what am I going to eat? But what do you <laughs> eat? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I, if I can speak to your chart, what it says is you do need a lot of fat, a lot of healthy fat in your diet. Okay. Meat is actually really good for you. Unfortunately, yeah, I know that it's a real bummer because you've got the, the value systems of a vegan. Yes. <laughs> um, correct. Again, we're looking at Neptune, but your physical body does not do well, unfortunately. And so again, it's just about thinking like, are you eating grass fed meat? And there's, you mm -hmm. know, good, good, you know, physiological reasons for grass fed meat specifically. And of course, ethical ones as well, but you do, it looks like need a high fat diet. And so it's about educating yourself and of course, get a nutritionist and talk to them or a doctor and talk to them, but it's about educating yourself about which fats are healthy fats and which fats do really well for your system. You, mm -hmm. you know, you might be like, I will eat an avocado on the hour, whatever, whatever it is that, that works for your system. But I cannot stress this enough, high fat. And yeah. it does look like you have a tendency to want to restrict fats. And I would say that you're not doing yourself any favors by restricting fats. There's a way of eating healthy fats that does not harm your body. It helps yeah. your body. And, um, you know, this may for you touch into kind of like disordered body image stuff or disordered eating stuff. All the more reason to deal with it is, is kind of my take, yeah. right? Because yeah. when we talk about growths or cysts from a spiritual perspective, we're talking about something growing and taking up space it's not hurting anything, but it's not the right thing to be growing and taking up space. Right. Yeah. And so there's yeah. a spiritual lesson to that, that, you know, it's really hard to separate from all kinds of body image issues and, you know, it's difficult uh, or it can be difficult because of that Venus conjunction to Saturn intercepted in the 12th house. I would imagine it is difficult for you. And again, that's something that runs through the family. Um, mm -hmm. You didn't just invent it on your own or, you know, whatever, because you're a millennial. It's like, this is, this is like an inherited issue. And so, mm -hmm. you know, for you, Again, high fat, lots of meats, unfortunately, uh, including fish. Fish is really good for yeah. your body. Um, I mean, kind of gluten-free. And I know lots of people who are gluten-free are like, and I will eat all the non-gluten breads and pastas. And that just doesn't work mm -hmm. for you. It just doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't make you actively sick. But what it does is it keeps you in this dynamic where you're not nourishing the system. Mm -hmm. And food is really meant to be, yes, a celebration, yes, a party. I don't want to ever take that from you. But also nourishment, the Saturnian element of your chart articulates that you want to like do the right thing. You want to avoid pain. And the Jupiterian element of your chart is like, I just want to have a good time and I don't want to be a big deal about anything. <laughs> Neither of those points are pointing you in the direction of, I need to nourish myself because nourishing myself feels good physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, but that's yeah. the move. And that yeah. way, if that's your overall way of eating, then when you're having social situations or like big life events, then it's not going to ruin your health to, you know, eat the damn cake or whatever it is. I mean, maybe cake is a bad example. I don't know, but um, <laughs> eat, eat the wheat free cake and coming back to cysts, I will say you do have a cysty 
body type. Like that just looks like that's what it is. And you've already named that that's like your experience, it's in your family. But if you are managing your hormones and your nutritional intake, then it looks like they will become a much less of an issue for you. Your body is really demanding of your attention a lot of times. And it does look like you tend to hold emotion, especially hard emotions in your body. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there can be a way that you don't pay attention to it until you have to. And that is a really good habit to break. Your body doesn't have to bang on the door to get your attention if you're paying attention. Yeah. And right now, I think that's part of the like spiritual side of why these cysts and like the, I mean, I, I almost hesitate to call them cysts because it's lots of different things, but yeah, why they show up the way they do. It's like in the realm of problems, you know, it could be a lot worse. We're very grateful that it's not worse. And also what a fucking boner, right? It's just <laughs> not awesome. No. <laughs> uh, it's not it's what okay. you want. You're hitting nails just on the head there. And so I've always known that there is something to this Venus, Saturn, Jupiter, Moon, and how they interact with each other. I've always known that it was significant in my chart, but I've never looked at it in your, in the Campanus house system. So mm-hmm. I, I hadn't realized in your house system that all of these are intercept. So can you explain that a little bit further? Absolutely. Yes. Happy <laughs> to. It's a great question. Uh, and I really enjoy that you call Campanus house system mine. Like I want, I wish I could take it for it. It is mine. mine. Um, Okay. So interceptions and, you know, I've dropped some content about it, but it is true Mm -hmm. that if you try to Google interceptions, best of luck to you, like you really aren't going to find anything about it, but it is like a centerpiece to my practice. So broadly speaking, interceptions represent the energies that were repressed in Mm -hmm. you, in your early development whether it's by your parents or your environment. Okay. Okay. And intercept energies, they're not exclusive to the planets that are, that we're talking about right now, because whatever is intercept in the seventh house will also be intercept in the first, of course, because Mm -hmm. they're polarities, right? Yes. Okay. So your Venus Saturn conjunction in the 12th house is intercept in regards to how that shows up in the body. And this is really what we're here talking about, right? This interception Mm -hmm. is very much about self-regulation and self-regulation based on my values and what I can resource is right for me, not in a selfish way, but in a way that is about taking responsibility for what you can, can't do, what you do and don't care about. And this self-regulation, when it is um, expressing itself through the body, which is not like a value judgment on whether or not you're doing a good job or your mom did a good job. It's just mm-hmm. shit comes out through the body sometimes. I mean, I said shit, I should restate that. <laughs> Stuff comes up through the body sometimes. When it comes up through the body, what we can see is restrictions and, and growth, basically. So Saturn is all about the hardening processes of the body. It's about like aging and things getting kind of like brittle, right? And so mm-hmm. a lot of people with this placement will have really dry skin or other issues. And do you have that? I do. I was also, when you said brittle, I just thought of like my nails. Mm-hmm. I just have the flimsiest nails of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, this, this placement can give you thin hair or thinning hair through age. It can give you brittle mm-hmm. nails, uh, kind of weak teeth and bones. 
And all of these things can be supplemented through nutrition Mm -hmm. and lifestyle. And they maybe can't be completely corrected, but again, there's this thing about regulation, recognizing, oh, this is my system. How can I support my system is the spiritual lesson behind these specific struggles, you know, Mm -hmm. and what makes it more complicated is that Jupiter moon interception because it wants completely different things. It has completely different drives. It's like, all I got to do is be super chill with everyone. I am never going to be high maintenance to anyone. I am fun. I am easygoing. And I'm really good at figuring out what you need and just making it happen in a chill way. (laughs) Okay. So it's very different than Saturn Venus. Saturn Venus is introverted. It's like, I want like two best friends, you know, I want eye contact. I want space. And Jupiter Venus (laughs) is like, let's just go. Let's see what happens when we go. And so Jupiter again is related to cysts specifically and growth specifically, but Saturn Venus is your hormones. So the fact that they're connected is very important in this conversation. Mm-hmm. They're both connected in that the Jupiter moon represents your patrilineage dead and uh, the Venus Saturn is matrilineage mom. And so, I mean, again, as soon as you said that, I just like see those two conjunctions as, yeah, those are my parents. Those I are mean, your parents. seventh house, 12th house, like these are my parents. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and it's, harder to see without seeing it intercept because those interceptions that we have in our birth chart, what they do is they kind of um, show us issues and energies that our parents were not comfortable embodying in themselves. And that's why the planets become intercept in our charts. Right. Mm -hmm. And coming back to that Jupiter moon conjunction and, and what it represents is this, I shouldn't have a limitation. I shouldn't have any ill health. I shouldn't have any struggles and I shouldn't have to say no. Yeah. Okay, cool. So (laughs) that makes sense to you. Okay, cool. (laughs) So so the reframe I always give to Jupiter is it's not about limitations or problems. It's about how do I optimize my physical health? How do I optimize my social life? And the way to optimize it is to make it sustainable. So Mm -hmm. you can act like everyone else and then you pay and then you pay, you feel like shit, whether it's physically or like spiritually, you just get drained by people. Mm-hmm. Or you can do this thing where you go and you go all out and then you leave while you're still having fun. That's the move with your birth chart. It's yeah. leave while you're still having fun. We yeah. could apply this to both of your parents in the very different ways in which they function in the world, because this is completely yours. And it's also connected to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so this brings us back to how the management of whether it's your hormones or your nutritional health has a lot to do with you giving yourself room for, you know, quote unquote cheats, um, Mm -hmm. things that, you know, aren't optimal for you, but doing it in a way that doesn't compromise you in a big picture way. And that takes a willingness to not fixate on this is a compromise. This is like a, a price I'm paying. But instead mm-hmm. to think of this as this is how I optimize my wellness. Right. There's the only thing that works with Jupiter. Jupiter's right. got to think like this is connected to more happiness, more socializing, more health. More. So that's the work of it. And in regards to your hormones, you've had mm-hmm. your thyroid checked, misdiagnosed, mm-hmm. and then corrected. But have you had any other kind of like, do you have like a good gyno who you work with? I don't. I don't. I've gone to many. I went off birth control back in 
2018 because I had a cyst in my groin area, plus a lot of mood regulation things. I just wanted, I had been on birth control for most of my life. So I wanted to see how my body functioned without it. So I haven't actually been on any sort of hormones for a long time. I did get my thyroid checked though in the last year. So great. And it was yeah. fine. Yeah, it's fine. No, mm-hmm. nothing. So there's a couple things I would say. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not a doctor, just yes. not a doctor. Okay. So the first thing I would say is good for you for getting off the pill because it was not tailored to you and therefore mm-hmm. it was not good for you. Right. And that's just kind of your system's too sensey. And, yeah. uh, you know, you've got cancer on the fifth house cusp. So mm-hmm. we look to the ruling planet of that fifth house cusp and where are we? We're at the moon conjunction to Jupiter. So right back there. Yeah, we're right back there. So for you <laughs> again, your hormones are so sensitive and being treated with the pill, you know, you could have gotten lucky and maybe you did for a minute there where it was like working really well for a couple of years, yeah. but hormones change and the pill doesn't really, you know, so yeah. I would definitely encourage you to either seek you know, an OB-GYN who you can build a relationship with and talk about what this may be related to, or Mm -hmm. take the blood work, take the thyroid, you know, take or whatever, and work with a different kind of doctor. There are many uh, different kinds of medical practitioners who will treat the thyroid at a different level than like an, I believe it's called allopathic medical doctor, like a Western medical doctor. Yeah. And this is, you know, depending on your finances and where you're living now and what you have access to, um, might be a really good approach. So again, okay. it wouldn't be treating it with like heavy medications. It would be yeah. treating it a, a little bit more, um, subtly. Eastern. Yeah. A yeah. little more Eastern. And I think that might really work for you. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and again, it's not instead of it's in addition to, yeah, this is oh, what, okay. this is the type of medicine my mom practices. So I am, Perfect. um, great ingrained in that world. Yes. Good the more that you are aware of like the hormonal stuff in your own experience, in your family's experience, the better equipped you are to be like, Oh, this feels like, this is like my mental health showing up in my body, or this feels hormonal. And I think it just takes a little bit more uh, investigation around that. There is something about research, a research component to this, that it really does make you feel a little bit more in control when you are educated about these things. And so I do encourage you to do lots of research um, okay. and, you know, not in a way that feels burdensome, but in a way that feels like it's empowering you to have conversations with doctors and to even like play with the information we're sharing because you currently are going through a Pluto opposition to Mars. The next year is going to continue to be a time where you can make great progress with your health or your health will really be like, Hey, pay attention to me. and there is a way that when you're dealing with a lot of anger or resentment, you may get more cysty. Um, have you noticed that ever? I noticed that when I'm really in a good place and a really happy place that my body responds positively. I think that when I'm just in those down places that it just the pile on, I can't singular anything out sort of mm-hmm. thing. But mm-hmm. when I'm in a good place, it's easy for me to be like, oh, I'm happy and my skin is clear and my stomach hasn't hurt for three days and, you know, all of these yeah. things. Yeah. So do you exercise? It is a new, newer habit that I've been trying to get into. I when I was younger, I refused to. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past, I would say like 
five years. Um, I try and make a habit of taking walks every day and great getting myself out there. Yes. Great. Of course, exercise is very, very, very good. And also being hot isn't always very, very good for you. No. Yeah. And Not so like, I would never tell you to do sweaty yoga, even though like, you know, people swear by it. Um, yeah. but, but getting really hot, it can agitate your system. And this is something that, again, I would say is related systemically to the cyst issue. And I would also say it is something that you can regulate through nutrition, probably, and maybe other things that are supportive. But these things aren't completely out of your control, which is cool because so much in life and so much in the body is, but this is stuff you can work with. And then it would kind of empower you to have a little bit more fun with how you exercise, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause getting hot is it's weird no. on you. Yeah. yeah. It, I've always, I like to say that I avoid the sun, like the plague. I, you know, and I grew up in Arizona. So, <laughs> so feet, it's a feat. Wasn't great. Yeah. No. Yeah. I have a whole jacket collection. I for, I like to be cold. I see. I, see. <laughs> I well, like your, to be. Your body chilled. likes it. Your body really likes mm-hmm. it. And there are things that you can do to support your body to be a little bit more flexible. Okay. Um, so again, this is about regulation, okay. which is the whole conversation we're having, whether we're talking about diet, digestion, yeah. hormones, cysts, it's all about regulation. And it's about embracing your body like you would a friend. Mm -hmm. And saying to it, Hey girl, I'm going to give you what you need. And that's kind of the work of this. We're looking at something very physical and health oriented for you from an astrological perspective. So we can look at it from these perspectives of how it's related to heredity, how it's related to your psychology, how it's a spiritual issue and how it's very physical. And Mm -hmm. I just want to kind of like hammer it in that we generally don't want to take a singular approach, but instead of that multi-pronged approach, especially Mm -hmm. when we have 12th house planets, intercept planets, or Neptune prominent in the chart. And you, my dear, have all those things. So (laughs) welcome to a life of complexity. (laughs) Exactly. So, okay. Do you have any other questions about any part of this? Okay. One last thing. I am a Pisces rising. I am a little bit spacey. So I love this idea of having these like kind of regulatory things, these routines, these things. I can just kind of float off sometimes though. So like there's the aspect of, you know, which you talked about that, like, yeah, food brings me comfort and that there's this, there's that side of it. But then there's also, I just sometimes don't feel here, Yeah, you know? So like, how do you give your body focus when you're not in your body? That's a great question. And there's so many levels to it. So Mm -hmm. one is it's not just your Pisces rising. It's also being a Sagittarius. It's also that Mercury is squared to your rising. So your mind takes over. It's also the 12th house planets that we've been talking about. And the fact that Neptune and Uranus are squared to the moon and Jupiter. So it's all of these things. It's not, we can't just pile it on top of your tender Pisces rising. That's one piece. (laughs) The other piece is, um, okay. So the nurturing of the body will help you to enjoy when you float off and Mm -hmm. bring yourself back to the ground or or Mm -hmm. center yourself when appropriate. And sometimes it is appropriate, right? So, so there is that. And then finally, here's the methodology I would suggest. Okay. First thing is, yeah, you're going to need a plan because do you forget to eat? 
Yeah. Yeah. And then when you do eat, it's like a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would, (laughs) okay. So I have advice, but again, I want to say I am not a nutritionist. I'm not a Mm -hmm. doctor. Don't take this advice without first checking with one of those things. Um, One thing is having high fat snacks and high protein snacks. So whether that means you're going to be like, you know, make your own beef jerky or eat lots of avocados, as I said earlier, hard-boiled eggs, or I don't know how you're going to do it. It is important to have those things pre-prepared and available to be in your purse, available to be like in your cupboard, always never run out of those things. That's a big part of it. Because if you are snacking, then you're not as like, uh, I want to be like, your balloon has a longer string that you can tie to the ground. Right. And that's really important for you because you will skip meals with all that stuff in your chart. (laughs) And also you will overeat. Not, and I don't mean that in a pathologizing, like any way related to like body weight stuff. It's just that mm-hmm. you eat for fun. You, yeah. you, you're a sport eater. Jupiter moon yeah. conjunction loves to sport eat. And I don't <laughs> want to take that from you. You want that to be wonderful for you. Right. And so it's just about sport eating foods that are good for you and nourishing for you, which requires okay. the second bit of advice. And this might be too Saturnian. You let me know, but I would say once a week, if you could, maybe once every 10 days, setting aside some hours to cook and to cook mm-hmm. a bunch of shit that are just big, big meals that you can live off of for the week. And do you have friends who like to cook? Yeah. Me and my family like to cook also. Okay. So okay. yeah. So you have people you can do it with. Yeah. Because for you doing something like this with other people will feel celebratory and like, oh, this is how I invest in friends or family as opposed yeah. to like, oh, I have to because I got a fucked up body. You don't want to go there. <laughs> I think it's also, you know, like a slow cooker or hot pot might be your best friend because you Mm -hmm. don't want to spend too much time. But I think for you, it's about knowing that you need certain things to be automated. So depending on your finances, that might also look like finding a a meal delivery service that really works for you and Mm -hmm. using it strategically for like lunches because dinners are easier for you to cook or whatever, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. But I think unfortunately for you, the answer is not going to be easy. And it's not easy because yes, Pisces rising, such sun, yada, yada, all those things. But also you have Chiron and Mars in the sixth house. So your relationship to habit and routine is as long as it's quick, <laughs> I'll do it as long as I can do it very, very fast. And cooking is generally slow, which is again, why I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're cooking while you sleep, that'll work for you. So that's the mm-hmm. slow cooker. If you're cooking quickly, that's the hot pot. Instant yeah. pot. That's what it's called. Sorry. It's um, true. I like a fast prep, slow cook. That yeah. is how I cook. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's where, again, you know, you might want to look into those, like how you can cook things while you're sleeping mm-hmm. so that you have something to eat the next day. Um, mm-hmm. Just having things that are automations. And, you know, I would say that finding a way to prioritize however long it takes, buying the right tools will really empower you to do things quickly. And mm-hmm. that's really important for you because <laughs> mm-hmm. realistically you'll have a couple months here and there where you like do lots of slow things, yeah. but that's just not who you are most of the months of the year. And so you want to support yourself in that. So it's not a liability. It's just a predisposition. So that's the best approach. And to know that cooking is annoying. Meat suits are difficult. <laughs> this is just fucking life. But you yeah. didn't come into this life with a Saturn interception in the 12th house because creating healthy routines is easy for you. So what that means is 
the most effective way for you to create healthy and sustainable routines is motivating yourself spiritually. Yes. Not, not just because like, I want to eat well, it's because it is actually my calling in this life to figure out how to nourish myself through healthy habits, but it's not, it's not likely to be what I would characterize as easy. And before we're done, I have to just quickly acknowledge uh, you're going through your Saturn return right now. Yes. So this is um, your Saturn's at 15 of Aquarius. Uranus is also squaring your Saturn. So yeah, of course we're talking about how can you take care of yourself as a person in a meat suit, in a body who's growing up, you, you know, mm-hmm. how can you basically parent yourself yeah. in a way that is permissive enough and structured enough. And that's the fucking set and return to some extent or another for all of us. And mm-hmm. in your chart, because it's in the 12th house, it is related to self-regulation spiritually and materially. That's the work. So like the, the timing of us having this conversation, honestly, is very good because it's talking about how you can relate to the material world materially, but also spiritually. And that is the sweet spot for you. That's again, what I would characterize as a move towards healthy self-regulation. Yeah. So does that answer that question? Yes. Yeah. I like that you pointed to so many things because it's, that is true. It is not just that Pisces rising. I mean, I know Pisces and all that Sagittarius stuff I have going on is uh, very Jupiter yeah. So it's yeah. all Jupiter. It's all Jupiter. <laughs> and it's also all mutable. So it's just like, yeah. you know, it's like chasing wind, you know, yeah. and, and that means you get excited about things and distracted by things. And you're like, fuck yes, wait, maybe no, I don't know. Let's try. And that <laughs> can make it hard to remember to like eat that hard boiled egg because you haven't eaten in seven hours or whatever. Like it, it's all fair. So it's yeah. not about getting on yourself when you're like, oh, it turns out I'm, I'm not a Virgo. I'm not a Capricorn, like whatever. It's fine. It's just about recognizing, oh, I feel bad. I'm no longer making sense, whatever it is, because I've abandoned my meat suit somewhere along the way. I just have to pick her back up. And then the more you do that, the sooner you'll notice. And the sooner you notice the less harm this habit creates. And that's really what life is. It's not about, you know, becoming something that you're not. It's about figuring out ways to work with yourself so that you're the healthiest version of what you are. Mm. That's the move. And luckily you've got all the pieces and you're not behind schedule. You're only just now entering into your set and return. You're exactly where you're meant to be. And even these health issues that, you know, we met up to talk about, they're helping you to focus on the things you're meant to focus on which is Mm -hmm. finding your own truth, finding your own path, cultivating healthy habits and self-regulating, you know, finding a healthy pace for life. So, I mean, no small things, but also whether we're talking about your health or your love life or your career, whatever it is, those are all the same issues that are plaguing you. Like I just gave you a reading about seven topics while focusing on one, right? I mean, I was going to say, like, I came here to talk about my cysts and somehow you, without talking about it, talked about everything going on in my life right now. So that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. And that's, again, the cool thing about astrology, because what it shows us is the interconnection. It's like energy can express itself in so many ways. Yeah. When we can ground into the ways it's really, it can be very helpful. So yay us. We did it. Thank you. My Thank pleasure. you. My pleasure. I mean, wow. 
My bubby Jessica. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I mean, I technically could be one. I'm grateful that I am not one, but <laughs> yeah. I, I love the vibe. So I thank yes. you so much for it. Um, it's just been such a joy getting to read with you. So thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. I, I really appreciate it. I'm thank you. Thank you. All this news about online companies taking advantage of their users is really demoralizing. That's why I want to tell you about Fight for the Future. They're a group of artists, engineers, and technologists who've powered the largest online protests in human history, defending our most basic rights in the digital age. They fight for a future where technology is a force for liberation, empowerment, and free expression, rather than oppression, tyranny, and corruption. To support their work and learn more about what they do, go to fightforthefuture.org. That's fightforthefuture.org. Okay, my loves, it's time to get real astrological because this week's horoscope, of course, includes a eclipse. It's got a lot going on. There's a lot to say. But I did want to start off by saying if you missed my class on the 12th house, it's called Demystifying the 12th House. You can buy it on my website at lovelandyado.com slash shop. It's real easy. And there's a bunch of other classes there. If you like learning astrology with me, you know, you might be into it. It was a really great class. It went a little bit over. So the download is about two hours long. If you have any interest in the 12th house in your birth chart or if you're a practitioner, I think it's a really useful resource because I did this thing in preparation for that class, which I did again this week. Let me tell you what it is. I used ye old Google. Have you heard of it? It's on the World Wide Web. I used Google. I Googled the 12th house. What I came up with was horrifying results that were just like the house of undoing, uh, misery, all these terrible interpretations. And I was really surprised because it was so dire seeming. And it really helped to inform me about what I needed to talk about during the class because the 12th house is not the place of undoing in 2021. That's just a spoiler for the damn class. Anyways, I did the same thing this week because I know that there's an eclipse coming up. And I was like, okay, so what's going to come up in a Google search about the eclipse? And longtime listeners of the podcast know I don't really fuck with Google. I'm a duck, duck, go kind of girl because they don't track your data. And it's just a better search engine. In many ways, it's not as good if you want a tailored experience like Google will offer. But I googled the eclipse. And what I found really surprised me. Not one, but three pages into search results. It was all basically like fashion magazines publishing content about astrology. That really surprised me. I don't know if it went on past the third page. I got bored. I gave up. And I went back to DuckDuckGo results, but honestly, you know, there's tons of that there as well. I'm not shitting on fashion magazines having horoscopes. I think that's awesome, actually. But I do want to remind you that good SEO does not equal good astrology. And anyone who has ever written for a publication knows that you're writing for that publication and their perception of their audience, right? And so there is a value in finding individual independent astrologers self-publishing the astrology that they want to be publishing, editing it the way they want to edit it. There's a real value in that. And again, I'm really not shitting on my friends and colleagues who write that kind of content or the magazines that I have written for, a lot of them as well. 
it was really interesting for me to see how long it took me, which is to say I never got there, to find independent astrologers self-publishing content about astrology. And again, it just it just shows you, I mean, capitalism, right? Having good SEO costs money. Big publications have the money to spend on that. And even big astrologers don't, not as much anyways, uh, not as much as a big publication. So just use critical thought when you are searching for things. And when you're, quote, Googling things, remember, Google's not the only search engine. Uh, you may want to fuck around with other search engines to see what kind of different results you receive. It might not be that different, but in my case, when I sought information about the eclipse, it was really different. The results were really different. Anyways, that's just my damn preamble. Go get my class on the 12th house. Be a critical thinker. And remember, good SEO is not inherently good astrology. It's not inherently bad astrology, but it's sure as hell not inherently good astrology. So let's get really astrological. As we look at the week of November 14th through the 20th of 2021, we start off this week still under the influence of the Mercury opposition to Uranus. So if you're listening to this podcast on Sunday or Monday, that transit was exact on the 13th, and we're going to be feeling it on the 14th and 15th. This energy, I'll just remind you, is a bit anxiety provoking. It can create a kind of hectic tempo to your thinking, to your interactions with others. It can just bring up upsets in your thoughts and in your communication and to your plans, which is not super awesome, right? It could be really exciting and fun. But as we rapidly approach the eclipse, which can feel pretty electric as well, it can be extra tough. So if you're feeling particularly anxious, it's really important to remember that you cannot control the world. You cannot control what happens. There's so much you cannot control. But what you choose to focus on, where you allow your energy to linger, the language with which you speak to yourself, the tone with which you speak to yourself, and the language and tone that you use with others, those things are in your control. Not necessarily easily <laughs> or always or fluidly, but they are in your control. And that is a great place to fixate this erratic and creative energy. And that energy crosses over with the first exact transits of the week. On the 15th, we have an exact Venus square to Chiron and an exact Sun square to Jupiter. You know, I'm going to tell you all about it, but I'm realizing I need to first pull back and just acknowledge eclipse energy. So eclipse energy, as it builds up, gets more and more intense. And an eclipse happens, you know, a lunar eclipse is on a full moon, a solar eclipse is on a new moon. We have a lunar eclipse on the 19th. And the energy is so intense as it brings unconscious and emotional energies that have often been repressed or underexpressed or experienced. It brings it bubbling to the surface it can be quite overwhelming because it's so emotional. And in our busy lives, in our world as it is, most of us don't have a lot of bandwidth for more emotion. And we try to figure out why we're feeling what we're feeling. We try to reason it away or analyze it. And eclipses have no vibes for that. Like it just doesn't work with eclipses. And so I want to just before I get into that transit later in the horoscope, I want to just acknowledge that in the days leading up to the eclipse this week and last week, 
we are bound to be overwhelmed with emotion. And if you, for some reason, are just living a life of chill, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, you're likely to be dealing with other people who are not feeling chill. Not all things are going to hit your birth chart in a way that stimulates you in the same way that it does for most people. But when a thing is activating most people, you want to be prepared of how that makes them feel. All of that to say, emotions are running high. And whatever it is that your kind of go-to autopilot emotional coping mechanisms are, whether they're maladjusted or not, they are likely to be activated in this period. And that just brings a greater level of emotionality and intensity to the transits that we're experiencing this week. And it also means that we're more likely to feel triggered, to have things in our past feel like they're being dragged into the present based on our experiences in the moment, whether or not those experiences in the moment are actually related to or as bad as our past experiences. So these are things to really keep uh, watch over as you engage emotionally, psychologically, uh, spiritually, and physically with your world and the world around you. Okay, okay, now back to the transits that are exact on the 15th. So again, those transits are Venus square to Chiron and a Sun square to Jupiter. Let's start with Venus. Venus square to Chiron can be a really uncomfortable transit. And it is because Venus really wants to get along. It doesn't want anything critical or harsh to occur. And Venus happens to govern really important stuff like finances and currency. It governs our beauty image, like how we feel about how we look and how we relate to the way things look or other people look. It's also the planet related to romance and diplomacy. So how we get along with other people, both romantically and socially, and also the concept of diplomacy, which can be applied both on a social and political level, like literally diplomatic relations, or how we engage with difficult content. Venus inclines us to want to be diplomatic. And that tends to point us towards being accommodating in some way. And that's often at the expense of authenticity. Now, Venus also is related to authenticity, but the way most people experience it, certainly in a pinch, can be like, let's just be diplomatic here. And Chiron has no energy for any of that shit, you know. Chiron is the wounded healer. When we deal with a Venus square to Chiron, what we're dealing with is a challenge to Venus around its wounding. And so if we're looking at that on a social level, we may see on and around this date issues with currency, with finances on a social or global scale. So whether that's like the value of a dollar or crypto, which I don't really like to get into cryptocurrencies, but whatevs, it's, it's real, it's here, there it is. Uh, we may see some major fluctuation in that regard. You may simply have to, you know, spend money on something or deal with your finances in a way that's difficult for you or be confronted with a class issue that is difficult for you. Chiron sits between restrictive Saturn and expansive Uranus, and it struggles. It struggles to be free, but it is also tied to the past and often to difficulties or lessons learned in the past. And so this Venus Chiron square can also trigger disordered eating or fucked up feelings about the way you look. And, you know, there's no lack of societal pressures that can be accompanied with that. 
that can be expressed on a personal or a social level. And finally, relationship issues that emerge during Venus square to Chiron can be quite difficult because they're confronting us with things that we don't feel comfortable dealing with or engaging with directly. It may be, again, just something that's really painful from our past or something that we're really scared about in our present. Venus square to Chiron wants us to cope directly with what isn't working with our pain, whether it's, you know, self-destructive narratives, uh, self-destructive behaviors, or the consequences of things not working out well. It's really important to evade the blame game. There's no value in it. I mean, on a social level, on a societal or systemic level, there is value in finding uh, the blame. But on a personal level, don't blame yourself. How is that going to help? How is blaming others going to help? Instead, thinking in terms of accountability and discretion. Accountability and discretion means we still can identify what went wrong, how and why. But when we're not blaming, we're not losing energy on focusing on things that already happened and can be changed. Use your discretion and then really fixate on your accountability. How can you be accountable in this situation to yourself? if someone else is fucking around with you? How can you be accountable to yourself if you're having a really difficult time in your meat suit? How can you show up? And how can you do it in ways that are informed by past trauma in a healthy way that help you to cope effectively? How can you do it in ways that are informed by your own wisdom, what you know to be true, even though it's hard to enact and embody it? That is the potential and the beauty of the Venus square to Chiron, and it's also the burden of the Venus square to Chiron. Because the lunar eclipse is a full moon in Taurus, and of course, Venus is the ruling planet to Taurus, we can see that whatever it is that emerges around the 15th, so we'll be feeling it before the 15th, it's really going to be connected to that eclipse, or it has the potential anyways to be connected to that eclipse. And so it's important for me to then speak to the sun square to Jupiter. This transit is on its own, wonderful. You know, not all squares, aka 90 degree angles, are created equally and they're not all bad. The sun square to Jupiter is on its own really great because it gives us confidence and it can bring you a playful, adventurous experience. It can inspire you to research or, you know, follow through on a project or uh, just be brave, you know, be a little bit more excited about life, a little bit more optimistic. In the context of this week's astrology, and certainly the Venus square to Chiron, its downsides are more likely to emerge. And the downsides of the Sun square to Jupiter are around arrogance, skipping over details. Jupiter is a planet that can kind of get us to be moralistic and righteous. Um, You know, soapboxing, the practice of uh, mansplaining, regardless of your gender. Uh, Yeah, that is very Jupiterian. The sun square to Jupiter can have you not really listening to others or being receptive to your environment because you're so caught up in your own narratives and your own version based on your own perspective. You know, I saw this TikTok. It's a quick aside, but I swear it's it's related. I saw this TikTok where this woman talked about how her kid uh, was in school and in a history lesson and that the teacher did this thing the first day of class where another teacher came in and they had a huge fight. And uh, they yelled at each other. It was terrible. And so the history teacher, when the other teacher left, told the kids to all write down exactly what happened so that they could file a report. 
So all the kids did it. And then the next day, they all looked over what they said. And it turns out that the fight between the two teachers was staged. And all of the kids had different perspectives on what happened. They all described events differently. And they described the events differently based on the biases that they had, you know, which teacher they liked better, uh, where they were sitting in the room and other variables, right? And this teacher apparently did this because they wanted to teach their students that a story, whether it's history or any other kind of reporting, has everything to do with the perspective on all levels, the perspective of the person telling the story. And that really touched me and it was a really interesting uh, take. So kudos to that teacher. And it is really relevant for this transit. It is really important to remember that your perspective is informed by your experience and your perspective is informed by where you are in the world, in yourself, in your own evolution, whatever it is. And coming from this perspective, this expansive, more broad-minded perspective, can empower us to make the best of this transit, which is to be truly open and generous and to be a good listener. It's kind of the opposite of what I was just saying. Sun square to Jupiter with great intention can support us in learning and growing. But it does take not displacing your frustrated and upset emotions and thoughts and pushing them towards any kind of like arrogance or entitlement. It means that we can't be too fixated on narrative because Jupiter can get real caught up in story, but instead to be a little bit more emotionally present for what your perspective is and what it's informed by and how it is impacting your experience of a situation and how somebody else's perspective is informing their understanding of a situation. The kind of combo platter of these two transits can be very useful because the Sun square to Jupiter can help us to make the most of the Venus square to Chiron. Or it can empower us to gallop boldly in the wrong direction or in a self-destructive direction or in a kind of mean direction, whether you're being mean to yourself or someone else. So, you know, we'll probably see all versions and articulations of these transits, but do your best to be your best. And being your best doesn't mean proving anything to anyone else. It means being kind and resilient and having patience when necessary. Okay. Okay. Uh, the next transit that is exact is on the 16th, and it's a sun sextile to Pluto. So it will happily overlap with the Venus and sun transits I just told you about. So sun sextile to Pluto is a really lovely transit. It empowers us towards healing and regeneration. It makes it easier for us to get deep Whenever Pluto's involved, it can be kind of heavy and it can be kind of hard. But a sun sextile to Pluto can ease the difficulties of confronting things that are deep or difficult, which is super cool. And it's especially cool because of all the other transits it is being sandwiched by. This transit is likely to provide a boost. And if you do not use that boost, then again, it can further embolden you to go in the wrong direction, GBH. But if you do use it, if you do make the effort to try to figure out not what is happening, but instead, how can I learn from this? What do I want to bring to this? How do I want to show up in this? Then this sun sextile to Pluto is for you, my friends. Sun sextile to Pluto is simply fortifying and it's supportive. And uh, if we have intention, then it's going to support us in our healing and in showing up to the best of our ability. You know, and if not, then not. 
You know how it goes, right? Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. You just want to try to do your best. Now, on the 17th, we have a really important and intense transit. And of course, it overlaps with all the other transits of the week, from the Venus square to Chiron to the eclipse. So that's fun. And it's a Mars opposition to Uranus. We've got Uranus in Taurus and Mars in Scorpio. Mars and Uranus are both kind of intense planets. They can both be related to explosives, like literally to explosives. And so when we have these two planets opposing each other by transit, it can literally create bursts of energy. Those bursts of energy tend to be outbursts as opposed to well-intended and well-planned bursts because uh, Uranus governs the unexpected and Mars is really impulsive. Mars and Uranus are both the most me-oriented, individualistic planets of the zodiac. And so in this time where so many people are really frustrated at having to compromise for public safety and public health, and so many people have different ideas about what is a healthy or appropriate way of protecting public health, you know, this transit can go lots of ways. The tension that we see really worldwide between governments and their people, companies and corporations and their workers, and groups of people that have one way or another become pitted against each other. A transit like this is really one to watch out for, to be honest. This transit won't again occur for another couple of years, 2023. And the last time it happened was in 2019. This transit can spike anger and resentment and impulsivity. People may be really aggressive this week in general and on and around this date specifically. And that aggression can be violent. And there's so many ways that violence can occur. You know, you may yell at someone that you love and do it in a violent way. And you may actually like perpetrate physical harm or someone may perpetrate physical harm. This is a transit where people who feel entitled or who feel really oppressed or repressed are more likely to act out. This is kind of like a boiling point kind of transit. And this can take us in lots of different directions. Because Uranus is involved, it can be a breaking free, a time where some sort of important, if not difficult, news is revealed. It can be a time where people come together to stand up against oppression and repression. And it can also be a time where people act out basically as bullies and lash out at others, whether or not it's intentional, lash out at others. So it's really important on a like social level to know that the energy is unpredictable. Mars, Uranus opposition is unpredictable. So if you feel like you just don't feel right, you don't feel safe in a situation, trust it, bounce. You know what I mean? Like just do what you got to do. And if you're feeling really angry or just fucking like blocked, like you can't do what you want to do, pay attention for being accident prone, right? You don't want to get into an accident because your energy is like leaky and weird, which Mars opposite Uranus or Mars square to Uranus can do. It can make us a bit accident prone as we're not effectively stewarding the energies of this transit. This is a lot of energy to steward. Most people are not going to have an easy time stewarding this energy, especially if it hits your chart directly. And for those who know how to get uh, mathematical with astrology, uh, you know, Mars is going to be at 12 degrees of Scorpio and Uranus at 12 degrees of Taurus. So if you have planets, in particular fixed planets around those degrees, 
then you're going to really fucking feel it. Uh, but again, you might not be the one feeling it. Doesn't mean that you're not around other people who do feel it. And some of those people may have power and then incite others to act out. So on the positive, it can help us to break free from impositions and restrictions or traditions that just don't serve us, right? Or that just feel like they're, they're choking us out. On the negative, it can lead to really intense energies where people are attacking each other and acting out without a lot of consideration for the fallout or for, for what will happen afterwards. So this transit is, it's volatile, my friends. It's a terrible time to process. It's a terrible time for fighting, mainly because it inclines people to not fight fair, but instead to just like take shots at others. So it's really important if you want to have a serious conversation and have, you know, resolution with someone uh, around this date, in particular in your personal life, I would encourage you to be careful. If you were thinking about posting on social media something really provocative and you don't want to be attacked by trolls, wait a few days, you know, just wait a few days. We are likely to be impulsive around the state. So you're likely to be impulsive. Uh, your frenemies are likely to be impulsive. And your enemies are likely to be impulsive. Not that you necessarily have enemies or frenemies. But again, online, it's a landmine, right? Who knows? Who knows who's out there and who's going to respond? So it's a lot of intense energy. On the positive, again, you can seek to break through a limitation you've been having. This is a great time for bravery, even if it's a little impulsive and can lead you a little sideways of the goal. It's still a great time for bravery. And it's a great time for innovating. Things that come your way through this transit, we cannot necessarily expect them to stick. So there's nothing about this transit that says that something that begins around this time will not last. But there's certainly nothing that says it will. Uranus is unpredictable. And again, eclipse season brings up unpredictable energies. So try to stay present. And if something really shitty comes, don't assume it'll last. It may not last. Similarly, if an amazing opportunity emerges, be really careful before signing on. Make sure that you understand that opportunity and that you're not jumping on it. Slash also, easy come, easy go. Fucking Uranus. Fucking Uranus. Now, the next exact transits we have are Mercury trine to Neptune and Venus trine to Uranus. A couple of lovely transits. Are we going to be really reaping the very best benefits of them? Absolutely not, my dears. And that is because the heavy energy of the week is going to influence so much of the energies that we're feeling. So what we can expect of these transits is that it supports us in having greater empathy and our capacity to see things from other people's perspective, our capacity to seek innovative or open-minded uh, solutions or ideas is strengthened. So that's fucking lovely. I'm so happy that these transits are here. They're really uh, supporting energies to the difficulties we're going through. If you need to listen to other people, the Mercury trying to Neptune will empower that. You know, it'll empower you to do that. If other people need to listen to you, again, this energy is there to empower that. It inclines us to having greater compassion. And that is sorely needed, whether we're talking about compassion for the self or compassion for others. The Venus trying to Uranus is typically a really fun, lighthearted transit that supports us in, you know, getting our flirt on and being creative and feeling cute. 
this transit in the context of the whole week is more likely to increase our ability and willingness to act from our values and to approach things differently. So that's really cool and very helpful. And that brings us, my dears, to the 19th, where we have a lunar eclipse in Taurus. The lunar eclipse in Taurus will be exact at 12.57 a.m. Pacific time. So adjust it to your own time zone, wherever you live. The moon will be at 27 degrees and 14 minutes of Taurus. And the sun will be at 27 degrees and 14 minutes of Scorpio. Lunar eclipses are different than full moons. While a full moon will generally uh, influence us for about, you know, three to four weeks, its influence doesn't generally, uh, you know, extend beyond that. It takes about six months for what comes up with a lunar eclipse to fully play out. So it's a big deal. And we have a lunar eclipse now. And in December, we'll have a solar eclipse. So get ready for that, my nerds. And the way to get ready for that, BT dubs, is to simply know that this is an intense time. That's the weather report. It's emotional. Instead of trying to get away from it, it's valuable to figure out how to engage with it, how to, how to be with it in a healthy way, how to be interested in your powerful and intense emotions, how to be interested in your difficulties in your life instead of reactive to those things. We don't always need to fix things. Sometimes we need to understand them. We need to be present with them. And when it comes to emotions, which the moon governs emotions, uh, that's often the case. First sitting with things, coming to acceptance of things, and then figuring out what we need to do to update, change, transform, whatevs. But first, presence. So this lunar eclipse just so happens to have all of the transits you've just heard about in the chart. But of course it does, right? So what we can know about this lunar eclipse is that it's going to bring up big emotions that are somewhat defensive and explosive. And just to make matters a little bit more complicated, we have the sun-moon opposition forming a T-square to Jupiter. And a lunar eclipse T-squaring Jupiter can go right in a lot of ways, and it can go wrong in a lot of ways. Let's start with how it can go wrong. Jupiter is related to propaganda, right? And we are living in a time where there is no shortage of propaganda. Whether we're talking about spiritual propaganda, political, social propaganda, it's just fucking all over. And it's really hard to know what's true and what's real. And this T-squared to Jupiter is only going to exaggerate that. Whether we're talking about this, again, socially or personally, determining what is real, what is true can be very difficult. And if you don't have ways of discerning information, then that can be even harder. And this is where, again, we want to be critical Googlers and we want to remember to consider the source of the data we're taking in. It's really important. This sun-moon square to Jupiter can also kick up exaggerated reactions and emotions because Jupiter can exaggerate. That's why it's related to propaganda. It can inspire us to behave really impulsively or to have really strong reactions that feel like they're the right thing because, again, Jupiter is related to righteousness and can be related to a sense of morality. There are positive applications of this, but on the negative, when somebody's feeling moralistic, when they're standing on their soapbox or they're standing on their high horse, a person can really act shitty and stop listening. And this arrogance and entitlement is not healthy. It's not healthy for relationships. It's not healthy for the person who's doing it. 
another negative articulation of Jupiter is feeling like I should be able to do everything and I'm doing nothing what's wrong with me. So it can be having two idealistic expectations of the self or of situations or others. And these two idealistic or Pollyanna styled expectations can make us deeply dissatisfied with what is in such a way that we minimize or ignore uh, the very good things in front of us or in a situation. There is a need for slowing down when it comes to this lunar eclipse. So we want to, to the best of our ability, sit with the feelings, sit with the feelings. And again, if you're being incensed by gossip or by something you read online or something you learned from someone who told it to you, check your fucking sources, my loves. Check them out because we cannot inherently rely on what is being said in public. On the positive, because of course there is positive here, on the positive, this aspect can incline us to wanting to be generous, to want to be broad-minded, to be willing to explore possibilities, explore potential, to actually like read. And we can really get a lot from this transit by being educated, you know, and I don't mean going to school. I mean, maybe that's it for you, but uh, by learning something, by listening, this is a great time for that. You may feel called to teach something. And again, as long as you're listening and you're not being so moralistic that you are veering into self-righteousness, uh, this might be the right thing. This might be a great thing. Jupiter is associated with growth and expansion. And you may feel called to work on yourself, to expand and to grow. And that requires an explorer's mindset, you know, to be willing to move through data, whether it's emotional, spiritual, whatever, to move through data so that you can explore that data to come up with different hypotheses. This is a good use of Jupiter to explore the potential, what may be happening, what may have brought us here. This is a really good use of this Jupiterian energy. But again, it takes intention and it takes a willingness to try. Now, because we are dealing with this full moon in Taurus, because the Venus Chiron square is still very much active, uh, we may see something going on in the economy that is upsetting on some level. And upsets are not inherently bad. An upset to the status quo sounds pretty fucking good to me. We need an upset to the status quo. So we may see some meaningful progress on and around this date. Because Saturn is still square to Uranus, are you bored of me talking about it? Uh, I don't know if you are, but hey, here we are and it's going to keep on going. So strap yourself in. Because this transit is still very much active, we are still looking at infrastructure. We are still considering the infrastructure of uh, major companies. We are looking at the infrastructure of cities and states and provinces and countries. We are also looking at our own internal infrastructure, how we relate to reality and time and freedom and autonomy. You may have heard of the great resignation of 2021, where so many people are leaving their jobs in the United States. This is related to the Saturn Uranus square. If we are working in systems that do not serve us and do not allow us to live the lives we want to live, then eventually, you know, the people are going to revolt. So Saturn, Uranus square, again, we can expect some sort of infrastructure theme here around what is real, what can I sustain, what can I do, what is true for me, what, what embodies my values and what doesn't. Now, there's another T-square in this chart, which is that Uranus square that I was naming and the Uranus opposition to Mars, of course, is a T-square between 
Uranus opposite Mars and all square to Saturn. And it just inclines us to a heavier, more depressive vibe. The fact that the eclipse is forming a T-square to Jupiter is a fun little mixed message. On a personal level, you may be feeling really all over the place. And a lot of people, when there's too much energy and too many contradictions swirling within them, shut down. That might look like endless, mindless scrolling to distract yourself. That might look like being incredibly exhausted or tired or unable to sleep or quiet your mind. It might look like feeling depressed or anxious. Or it might look like you feeling incredibly motivated and you getting shit done. It can look in a million ways, honestly, but it is a lot of energy. And whenever I see this much energy and this much emotional energy and consequential energy and defensive energy, I want to bookmark it as a cause for concern because it's not happening in a vacuum. It's happening after all of 2021. It's happening after all of 2020. It's happening after so many months and years of incredible stress. It's also happening while we're going through a global pandemic. And because of a number of factors within this lunar eclipse chart, I do have concern that there will be something that comes up around COVID-19. And it could be progress and it could be a setback. I don't know. And it could be nothing, right? It's, it's hard to make predictions around unprecedented pandemic because of its unprecedented nature. But all to say, we want to remember to center care in how we relate to ourselves, the world around us, and the people that we have contact with, whether it's IRL or online. You can't go wrong with care. So there's only one more thing to name about this chart, which is that there is a Mercury square to Jupiter in it, and that transit will be exact on the 20th. And this transit can lead to uh, defensiveness and talking over people, not listening to people. It can lead to arguments and disagreements. And uh, yeah, it can be a bit of a stressful transit. It can also be a transit that promotes doing the work, all the work that I've been talking about here that these transits require. So I just want to remind you to listen, listen to yourself, listen to others. If information crosses your path that evokes big emotion, investigate it. No one is exempt from needing to learn how to be a better consumer of information, whether that's news and journalism or it's astrology and woo. With this much information at all of our fingertips, it's really important that we cultivate discernment and critical thought. And this transit actually can really help with that. But it, it would absolutely take intention. And in, on the negative, this transit can further people's impulse to act out and to speak before really considering what you're saying or how you're saying it. So these are things to pay attention to. Now, one more thing I'll say about this eclipse uh, is, well, a couple more things I'll say about the eclipse itself. So first of all, this eclipse is, as I mentioned, on the Taurus-Scorpio axis. And usually a November eclipse is going to be on the Gemini-Sagittarius axis. We actually haven't seen an eclipse on this axis in almost a decade, I think in nine or 10 years, something like that. And what's interesting is in the next two years, we're going to experience more eclipses on the Taurus-Scorpio polarity. And so I want to just kind of speak to what this is likely to kick up. On a personal level, this is an opportunity or a calling for us to investigate our deepest motives, our psychological, emotional, and spiritual motives, 
and whether or not they are matching our values. This is an opportunity for us to come to transformation and healing around our intimacy issues or our relationship to the body. And this is not as much in a, in a physical health way, but more a body image way, you know, how we feel in our skin. But this really does come down to the cultivation of emotional intelligence. And you may be thinking, why emotional intelligence? This doesn't involve cancer. I would say that the cancer Capricorn polarity absolutely has to do with emotional intelligence as well. But the sign Taurus is so relational. And Scorpio is as well in a very different way. And this is a, an opportunity for us to really come into uh, presence over the next couple of years with what we value and who we value and what are the psychological and spiritual complexes within us uh, that bring us there. And that requires emotional intelligence to do effectively. Now, on a more social level, it's a continuation of this theme that we know has been going on for years with Uranus transiting through the zodiac sign of Taurus, where the potential for us to, as a society, look at who we value and how we express that value. This polarity, especially in the context of the Uranus in Taurus transit, can be related to the theme and issue of gender liberation, which is a really big theme and issue, um, and also to finances. When I talk about finances, I'm talking about like economy and also your personal finances. And that is related to the market or the markets. And that includes real estate because we're talking about uh, Scorpio and eighth house themes. So these are all things to look out for in the collective over the coming years and certainly at this time. Now, this is also your friendly reminder to not do big spiritual work on and around an eclipse, to not do any manifestation work on or around an eclipse. The energy is too unpredictable. And eclipses are meant to confront us with what is deep within us. Some people may refer to that as shadow work, that some people might refer to that as like deep psychological work, but it's stuff that is really deep within us. And it is meant to emerge in response to the eclipse energy. Don't go in there fiddling with it because you're, you can't understand it, even if you're really smart, even if you're very spiritual and very advanced. This is not what the energy of the eclipse is asking us to do. Instead, what we are meant to do is be present and be responsive in as healthy a way as possible. That's the work of an eclipse. This is not the time to be doing uh, new spiritual work or trying to control or direct stuff. So take it a little easy over here, my friends. Take it a little easy. So I'm going to run through all the transits of the week. Through the 15th, we will continue to be feeling the influence of Mercury opposition to Uranus. On the 15th, we have two exact transits. That's Venus square Chiron and Sun square Jupiter. On the 16th, we have an exact Sun sextile to Pluto. On the 17th, Mars is exactly opposite Uranus. On the 18th, Mercury is exactly trying to Neptune and Venus is exactly trying to Uranus. At 12.57 a.m. Pacific time on November 19th, we have a lunar eclipse in Taurus. And on the 20th, we have an exact Mercury square to Jupiter. As always, if you want to stay abreast of the astrology and know what's coming before it hits you in your sweet face, get my astrologer's pro tool, Astrology for Days, over at astrologyfordays.com. Yeah, you'll be able to see all the transits and take notes and make your own predictions, which is really a great thing for astrology students. And of course, it's a great resource for your workflow if you are a practicing astrologer. 
Also, join me over on Patreon where I drop lots of astrology content and get into Lawu. I just love, I love my patrons. If you're a patron and you're listening, thank you. I love you. Anyways, uh, take care of yourself and others. And remember that when your self-care comes at the expense of your integrity or other people's welfare, that shit is not self-care. Do your best whenever you can. And remember that our wellness as individuals is irrevocably intertwined with the wellness of others. Every year they say the end is near But we're still here Yeah, we're still here